So the title of today's uh, class is, I think, um, Driven by Faith or Fear. And I wanted to speak to you about something that I have mastery um, over. So that's why I, um, I thought that was a little funnier. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, one of the reasons for the topic, it's something which is addressed um, regularly in Scripture. And also, uh, realistically, it's, it's addressed throughout Scripture because it's an ongoing issue um, in our lives. Uh, we're, we're very often, we're, we're all driven by something. Uh, we're all driven by something, and, and very often, uh, very often we're driven by fear. Uh, and of course, God in His love and His grace is well aware of that, and, and desires that you and I might have faith, uh, and that that might be um, what gives us um, support and encouragement and strength, and, and to be uh, buoyed by that rather than driven by fear. Um, and so, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about that, kind of by way of an ongoing conversation. And we'll say as well. No, um, uh, no delusion that I'm going to go ahead and resolve it all um, for us this morning. Uh, it's funny. I remember uh, when I was at the Citadel, one semester I was taking uh, philosophy was one of the courses and um, introduction to public speaking was another. And I got this brilliant idea that I was going to sort of kill two birds with one stone. And we were studying Augustine, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it was the typical... It was uh, the five-minute speech, uh, introduction, um, three points, conclusion, and, uh, you know, just nervous as a cat um, going, into, going into all of that. But I decided, again, I was going to be smart, and I was going to combine my various classes and my homework, and I was going to sort of address the problem. I can't remember if it was the problem of evil or the problem of suffering. Um, so anyway, with an introduction, three points, and a conclusion in five minutes, um, and it was kind of one of those, you get up there, and then you're like, you know, it's just time to say amen. Um, you know what? There, there'll be another opportunity. Um, and so to some degree, what we're going to do is I'm beginning to look, and it's an invitation um, to an ongoing conversation. And I thought about the various scriptures which we might draw from today. And uh, there's some different ones from different uh, portions that I'm going to draw from. But I thought as well, one of the contexts for our reflection today might be John chapter 13 through 17, uh, John 13 through 17, and you may or may not remember, that's sometimes referred to as the farewell discourse, uh, and, and the reason behind that is, is this, it's the time in which Jesus has been confessed as the Christ, uh, and as we heard some in the gospel, the Matthew portion, which we read this morning, it's a time of increasing hostility and resistance to Jesus. And John 13 through 17 is called the farewell discourse because it's, it's really, and I don't mean this in any um, uh, sappy way, but it's, but it's a very endearing time in the scripture, endearing it in, in, a, in a very powerful way because Jesus uh, is equipping and preparing and encouraging his followers in John 13 through 17. It's, it's a very intimate time in which Jesus is equipping them because obviously um, Jerusalem uh, and the cross were, were looming and Jesus was making his way toward it. And it's kind of like in those words uh, from Shakespeare, you know, where words, um, where words are scarce, they're seldom spent in vain. Uh, there was the realization that his time with them, at least in body, you know, present, incarnate, with them was, was drawing to a close. So he took particular care uh, in the things that he shared with them and the ways in which he instructed them and to encourage and to assure them. Uh, and so as we talk about faith and fear this morning, 
Um, let me say a couple of things as well. One of the things, one of the things is there are plenty of passages in the Scripture where where God or where particularly Jesus says, "Fear not, um, you know, fear not, um, for for I am with you." And, and one of the reasons which fear is so often addressed in the Scriptures is again God's realization that it's it's very present um, in our lives, and it's one of the things that often um, drives us in our lives. And so God addresses this because uh, it's. It's very, it's very much a part of our lives. There's also times in the scripture where basically God says, you know what, fear. Um, there's times to fear not, um, and there are times to be afraid. Um, and in fact, uh, and not exactly those words, but in the 16th chapter of Matthew's gospel, that which I alluded to today in the sermon, uh, Jesus says, beware um, the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, be- beware, you know, the way of saying, you know what, not irrationally, but but. Be very concerned. Uh, be be fearful about this. Elsewhere, it says, you know, don't worry um, about those who can kill the body, but 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 worry about. Um, be fearful. Be concerned about who can throw um, body and soul into hell. Be be concerned about the ways that you can be tempted and and led astray. Don't be concerned about the things um, which will happen to the body. There there are various. Um, there are sometimes there's there's reason for fear. But another thing I'd like to say is this: uh, when we think about fear, is to say. Um, that in fearing fear, uh, you're not crazy. Um, obviously, not only is it one of the one of the emotions which is part of the human condition, but another thing what I want to say is this: you're not crazy in the sense of what Paul uh, addressed when he wrote um, to the Ephesians, and he said, "Finally," and this is uh, in the sixth chapter. This is the final chapter of Ephesians, and Ephesians is a letter written uh, to the church, uh, obviously as as his epistles are. But it's, but it's in many ways kind of a, 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 a theological treatise in many ways, a word of uh, grounding and a word of encouragement to the church, sort of a, a framework, something for them to hang their hat upon, uh, which, which we all need in our lives. But the sixth chapter is, is the final chapter. It's, it's the parting words. It's the words uh, of encouragement. It's the words in which he's trying to. And it's, if you remember, that's the portion where he says to put on the full armor of God, um, some of y'all, if you've ever done VBS, you know, surely at one point you've done a full armor of God um, VBS at, at one point at one point or another. But it's when he encourages them to put on the full armor of God. But he says this, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, and so I share that by saying not that we need to be sort of uh, uh, hyper carried away um, with the devil around every corner. I mean, sometimes when we drop a rock on our foot, it's not the devil. We just are clumsy, um, you know, it, it, not necessarily. But one of the things he does say is there, there is an enemy um, in, in this life. And so there is, uh, there, is a certain amount of, uh, there is a certain amount of fear. But he talks about... Jesus is, is infinitely greater. His power is infinitely stronger. He's defeated um, the, the, the devil. He's defeated the power of sin and death through the cross and through the resurrection. But again, one of the things to say is that, um, that there is an enemy uh, in our lives. There is an accuser. The various, you know, Satan's name is described in various ways. The, the accuser, um, the slanderer, um, the accuser, the slanderer, the tempter, um, the confuser. Um, there is one who who works against us in our lives. And as I say, we don't need to be gripped by that fear, but to say um, 
it's not completely uh, irrational um, in our lives. And then I would also say as well, as we think about the presence uh, of fear, which is uh, so often there in our lives, one of the challenges uh, is our complicity. Uh, and by that I mean is this, is our, is our pursuing idols. And, and idols, practically speaking, are anything else that we're uh, placing our confidence in, anything else that we're thinking, you know, if I just get this or a little more of this or enough of this, then we're going to be okay. Um, then we're going to be um, secure. Uh, then everything's going to be all right once there's, once there's enough of this. And in many ways, um, the fears in our lives, we're complicit in our idolatry because ultimately what idolatry does is lead us to fear. Um, because there's, uh, whether conscious or subconscious, there's a realization that the things that we're putting our hope in are not sufficient. Uh, and the things that we're putting our hope in could be taken from us uh, at any particular moment. I remember uh, when I was uh, living on uh, Sullivan's Island, uh, we, it, we lovingly recorded Mayberry by the Sea. Um, and living on Sullivan's Island, and uh, this was back in the days when I exercised, and I can remember running uh, on the beach there, and, and toward the end of the Isle of Palms, you have Sullivan's Island is here, and then Breach Inlet uh, runs right between them. Uh, and then the Isle of Palms, kind of an interesting, this is back um, right around the corner from our house was Fort Moultrie. And Fort Moultrie, fascinating because you have uh, revolutionary, uh, War of 1812, uh, Civil War, um, World War I, World War um, II, you have sort of layers of, of history uh, in this fort, Fort Moultrie. In fact, because I, I sensed y'all wanted to hear this, uh, Breach Inlet, which ran between um, Sullivan's Island and the Isle of Palms, there was a, a point in revolutionary times where they actually, um, they sort of lured, Breach Inlet is just, it's about, a little wider, but it's about as wide as this room, and it looks like it'd be easily passable, but it's, it's, it's a horrifically dangerous current, because you have the Atlantic there, you have the intercoastal, and you have this little thin strip, and it, uh, some of the revolutionaries, some of the colonialists were able to get away from the British. Uh, the British thought that they could forward that, and um, uh, they, were, they were swept away. But toward the end of the Isle of Palms, I can remember there's a... a Resort community called Wild Dunes. Uh, maybe some of y'all have been to Wild Dunes uh, before. Um, you know, sort of golf, tennis uh, resort community. I can remember there was a house there toward the end of Wild Dunes. And Wild Dunes, um, at, at the northern end of the Isle of Palms, where you had, and off of that you had Dewey's, but you had the Atlantic, and again you had the intercoastal, and it sort of the currents came around. Well, as you might imagine, there was there became a great issue with erosion, and this guy had built this magnificent um, multi-million dollar home uh, there uh, on on the beach. And, you know, uh, once again, Bible school, um, the wise men built his house upon the rock. Um, and uh, and so with the erosion, his, his foundation um, started, uh, started to give way. And, you know, you've invested that much, what's a little more? So he actually hired and brought in bulldozers. Um, and then, as you might guess, the Corps of Engineers stopped that, and there was this big battle whether he could, you know, move sand, not move sand. Uh, I share that by all the way of um, uh, idolatry and how quickly the sands can shift, how quickly things uh, can slip away from us. And this, uh, a lot of the fear comes in our lives because of our idolatry, because we try to find uh, hope and security and things which can be gone in a moment. We're trying to find meaning. We try to find um, purpose. All those various things that we look for, when we place them in things like that, what does it lead to? It leads to fear, uh, and it leads to um, insecurity. When I graduated from the Citadel, uh, we had, it was interesting, we had a, uh, 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 it was actually the Bishop of Montana uh, came and spoke to 
the graduating cadets. He was a graduate of the Citadel. And he came and he spoke, and I can remember they, they formed us up uh, in our barracks, marched us across the parade deck and into Summerall Chapel for the baccalaureate address. And as you might imagine, um, our minds were elsewhere. Uh, it was kind of like we had gotten our parole papers, um, and we were moving on, and we were so excited about that. And, and we came in, and we kind of thought, well, we'll just kind of, you know, this will be a nice opportunity for a nap. Um, we'll kind of nod off. And, and I remember he, he climbed into the pulpit there. And it's funny because uh, I remember he, he, he climbed in and he said, money, sex, and power. Um, and, and we thought, we'll give him a chance. Uh, you know, man, I mean, you know. All right, so we'll be fair. Maybe he has something um, worth our, our listening to. And, and it was funny because I, I still remember that to this day. And in essence, what he said was this. He said, look, if you... If you pursue these things in your lives, thinking that they're going to fill you, um, you're, you're only going to be thirstier. Um, you're, you're never going to be able to get enough. In essence, it's what I'm talking about with idolatry. If, if, we, if you pursue those, knowing that that's exactly what all of us were thinking of, you know, we're going to get out of here and we're going to have lots of all three and then life's going to be good. Um, and you know what? We're going to be content uh, and, and then we're going to be living um, at that particular point. But he said, you know what? It's, it's an illusion. It's, it's a mirage, and you can pursue it and pursue it. And actually, even if you pursue it and actually start to get all of those things, you're going to find that they're not enough, um, that they're not uh, enough for you. So one of the problems of our fear um, is that we do have an enemy um, who loves to sow doubt, um, who loves to accuse us, who loves to slander us, who loves to just give us cause to doubt and to feel insecure. Another reason is our complicity, uh, that we're idolatrous, and we place our hope in the wrong things, and we, and we, chase, and we chase the wrong things um, in our lives. I heard a, uh, uh, a, a definition one time of status, which I, and I, can't, I wish I could remember who, who said it. I'll keep saying it long enough, and I'll pretend it's mine. Um, but it was a great, it was a great uh, about status, and, he, and whoever it was, him or her, I, I don't remember. But they basically said this. He said, uh, what, what status is? He said, it's spending money we don't have on things we don't uh, need to impress people we don't like. Um, you know, money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And I thought, that, I mean, that just, that, that nails it. Uh, that, that nails it right there. Um, so the call um, for us um, to, to fear not uh, and, to have, uh, and to have faith and what is what is the source uh, of our faith? What is the we talked a little bit about uh, about the fears which we're so very um, familiar with, uh, which are so much a part of this life. But what's the source uh, of our assurance? What's the source of our hope? How do we begin to uh, be driven by and grounded uh, in in faith rather than fear um, in our lives? And, and the first thing um, I would say is this is. Uh, you know, and I say it's the first. It's kind of the first thing. It's the middle thing. It's the final thing that I'll say. It's in the knowledge of the character of God. Uh, it's in the knowledge of the character of God uh, and his character and relationship with, with you and with me um, that, that we do have a secure place in the midst of so much which is, which is insecure, that we do have one um, who knows us. And interestingly as well, uh, you all probably remember, it's, it's kind of a favorite passage. You probably remember um, Jesus uh, it's uh, Matthew 6 is, is one of the occasions of it when he is telling us not to lay up our, for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but instead um, lay up your treasure in heaven where neither 
moth nor rust consume, where thieves um, do not break in and steal, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't serve uh, both God uh, and money. But then he goes on to say, he says, who of you by worrying um, could add a single hour um, to your life? And that's the part where it says, you know, look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. See how God um, provides um, for them. See how concerned he is for them. Will he not be much more concerned for you? Um, oh, you have little faith is, is what Jesus says. So as we talk about all this as well, one of the things that's important to note is God doesn't say that you don't have any needs. Uh, and he doesn't say that he's unwilling to provide um, for your needs. Uh, he's willing um, to provide for our needs. So now we turn um, to John 13 through 17 on um, the farewell discourses. And I say, what's the, what is one of the things that, what's the thing that addresses our fear, enables us to live by faith? Is the character of God in relationship with you and with me. Here's a, here's a little biblical trivia. Um, John 13, um, and uh, not Matt, um, we know you know, but um, John 13, what does John 13, what does Jesus do? Why, exactly, washes, uh, washes the disciples' feet. He says, you know, see, I've, I've set an example um, for you. So why do we not need to fear? Because, we, because of the character of our God who, who as, even, and even as he's washing their feet, if you remember as well, um, he, even as he's washing their feet, he, rec- he knows and makes mention of the one um, who would betray him in the midst of them. And, of course, it wasn't simply Judas um, that was going to betray Jesus, but it was, it was all the disciples were, were going to deny him and flee him uh, in the moment of need. It was all the disciples that were going to fall short on their promises. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, well, Judas was bad, but the rest of them were really good. Um, no, they all, they all fell short. And even in the midst of that, uh, what we see is Jesus uh, humbling himself um, to wash their feet, um, to care for them, to set uh, an example for them about how um, to live and to care for uh, one another. Even in the midst of this, um, Jesus uh, is doing this, and he speaks to the fact that Judas will, in fact, betray him. And, in fact, he, he says that the Son of Man is going to be glorified. And then he says this, and this is in 1333. He says, uh, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And at this point, um, Simon Peter uh, says to him, you know, he gets, uh, he gets a little anxious. And he says, Lord, Lord, where, where are you going? And it's not only does Jesus just a moment ago know and, and point to the fact that Judas is going to betray him, but also now he points to the fact that Peter um, will deny him um, three times. So again, why do we need not fear? Here's the character of our God who knows, um, knows full well um, our failings um, before we know them ourselves and yet extends uh, his love and his grace and his care um, for you and for me. Uh, and Jesus uh, says this to Peter about how he will deny him three times before the rooster crows and then John 14 begins, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Um, believe also in me. Um, so Jesus says, even in the midst of this, um, I'm not going to forsake you. Um, you can believe in God. You can believe also in me. It goes on, of course, in my Father's house um, are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go um, to prepare a place for you. But then he goes on and he says, you know what? He says, I'm not 
I'm going to leave you as orphans. He says, look, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not. I'm going to leave you alone. You're not. I'm going to be forsaken. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll send you another counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to lead and to guide you um, into all truth. We have uh, confidence. We have assurance that Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to um, forget about you. I'm going to continue to be with you. I'm going to continue to care for you. Uh, I'm going to continue um, to provide um, for you. I had an interesting thing happen to me um, this morning. Um, Speaking about fears, um, uh, my son is a a sophomore um, down at Auburn which is, of course, a source for prayer um, as, 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 he's, uh, as he's, you know, down there. You know, Lord, you know, help him run, on the curb, run up on the curb and learn but not end up in the ditch kind of thing. You know, you want him to have enough knocks but not too many and, you know, um, uh, you know that, that Jesus would, would hold, hold on to him. Well, I got a call from him at 1.45 this morning. And, and, of course, exactly, you know, you're, it's just immediately it's the, oh, no, it was a pocket dial. Uh, and, and I'll say he and his buddies, they sounded sober, um, but they were, but they were up. Um, and you know, it was immediately, it was that, you know, it was that, oh my gosh, you know, it's the 145. It's your fear. Uh, it's your fear that's, that's come true. Um, so I'm going to call him, uh, you know, I should have called him at 6am this morning. Um, you know, Hey, thanks for checking in with me. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, uh, but I would have, but I knew he'd sleep through it. So I had to be. It, it'd be it'd be wasted, but yeah, there was that you know there was that moment that that jolt uh, that jolt of of concern, you know, oh 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 my gosh. Um, well, we see in these chapters one that God knows our character and yet um, promises to care for us as well. Another thing I'd like to say to us is this: um, when it when it comes to fear, I think one of the things that's helpful for us to know. Uh, and to acknowledge is that um, what Jesus says, and as we go on here, that in this world we'll have trouble. Uh, and and what, do I, what do I mean by that? Uh, what I mean by that is this. I think one of the things that sometimes catches us is, is we're unrealistic. Um, we're, we think that, you know, because we love God and because God loves us, that everything's going to be okay. Uh, and, and ultimately, yes, um, everything's going to be okay. Ultimately, um, we have an assurance and a stability which can't be taken away from us. But I think one of the things that's helpful for us to some degree not to fear, and this is my thought, you may think I'm crazy about this, but I think it helps to know that Jesus says, look, in this world you'll have trouble. Uh, and to know that there is a certain amount of challenge, there is a certain amount of trouble, there is an amount of suffering um, that's, that's part of this life. Uh, and so when, when it does land on us, uh, when it does come, it doesn't mean that we invite it, uh, it doesn't mean that we like it, but it can be that we don't have to come unglued um, when it happens. The realization um, that in this world we'll have trouble. And in fact, in this portion, um, Jesus, you know what he does? And this is as we're getting into uh, this is as we're getting into 16 and 17. And of course, John 15 is that great portion where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. And I've called you friends uh, and, I've, and I've laid down my life for you. He says, you know, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Um, the assurance uh, of Jesus laying down his life for us. But actually, uh, in, in 15 as well, 15, 18, he said, If the world hates you, know that it hated me um, before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, uh, therefore 
uh, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also um, persecute you. Um, so, as I say, y'all may think that's, that's odd, but I just think it's helpful for us to know that we don't have to be uh, unduly gripped by fear that there's going to be a certain amount of uh, resistance uh, in our lives. There's going to be a certain amount of challenge. There's going to be a certain uh, amount of suffering. But then Jesus goes on to say, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Um, so to say that, yes, uh, it's, it's going to come, but we can be of good cheer not just of good cheer, we can be of assurance. Why? Because Jesus has overcome that. So when it does come to you and to me, um, we don't have to come unglued. Uh, we can know that he is able to work uh, in the midst of that um, and, and through that. And maybe just a couple of other things I want to share with you before sort of wrap up and we can sort of reflect together uh, if you'd like and ask some questions and share some thoughts um, on all of this. Uh, some of these are kind of perhaps a little bit more um, on the on the pragmatic uh, on the pragmatic end, you know, I think another thing when it comes to our fear uh, and, and faith and the opportunity therein, I think one of the challenges for us is uh, is to let go uh, of the end results. Um, and, and there are probably not very many controlling people in here. Um, there's probably not very many people that like to just sort of, you know, shape and fashion um, the outcomes uh, and, and, know, and, and know what they'll be like. I mean, this is Advent's a pretty laid-back crowd. Um, so I'm really, I don't think this applies um, to many of you. That's one of the big challenges um, in our lives that leads us to fear is, is, you know, to some degree it's irrational expectations, and that's true of all of us, irrational expectations that everything's going to work out the way we think it should, um, that there won't be challenge and trouble um, and hardship in our lives, that, you know, that our kids will, of course, um, have a solid friend group, and they'll be accepted into the right schools, um, which will enable them um, then to be able to get into the right jobs, uh, which will enable them to live in the right communities um, and, and be a member of the right church um, to ensure that they're buried in the right place. Um, so, you know, the, you know, the perfect um, trajectory. Um, and, and, you know, Lord, I, I know the way um, that it needs to work, but there's a wonderful opportunity for you and for me to say, you know what, Lord, there's the possibility you may know better. Um, whether it be for myself uh, or, or, or my family or, or whomever, to let go uh, of the end results knowing that we have a good shepherd uh, who is leading and guiding us. But also one of the things as we get through these chapters, well, one of the things Jesus does is he prays for us. We see um, that, that Jesus, that, that God incarnate, um, prays for his followers, uh, to, that he prays for you and for me. And again, the ability for us to have strength and comfort and hope in the midst of our challenges. Why? Um, because uh, we have God himself who has prayed um, for us. And if you remember as well, when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, the, the Greek word is parakletos. The, the paraclete um, is, is promised to us. And then there's actually a, a significance to that because what the paraclete is, um, is an advocate. Uh, it's, 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 it's sort of legal. It's not sort of. It's legal terms that we're talking about. It's, it's basically... Um, Jesus says, I will give you the greatest public defender ever, um, that, that I, will be, um, I will be your advocate. Um, I will advocate on, on your behalf. Uh, and so it says to you and to me, you're going to have trouble. Um, you're going to have hardship, but be of good cheer because I've overcome um, all of these things. I'm working out my good purposes. And not only that, but I'm, I'm your advocate. I'm the one who actually represents you. I'm the one who actually um, defends you. And lastly... I'll say this, if you can ever believe me when I say lastly. Um, lastly, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, 
I'll, I'll say this uh, as well. Um, and uh, what I was going to say was really good, and it's just totally escaped me um, at the moment. It, it's really... It's, it's really a crying shame, and maybe it'll come back um, in, a, in a minute. Um, um, but this is kind of the, the, the sort of lastly, uh, share one final story with you before we reflect uh, a little bit more. And, and that's to say this. Uh, I can remember, uh, you know, I mentioned getting the, the 145 call um, this morning. I remember years ago, uh, Jack was probably, uh, I mentioned Jack a lot because he's given us a lot more opportunity issues than the girls have. Maisie and Sally, God bless them. I mean, they're just, you know, they're really, they're just pretty good um, for the most, for the most part. Um, Jack gives opportunities for prayer and stories. Um, But this was, uh, this was when we were still living there on Sullivan's Island. And I guess Jack was maybe about two or three at the time. And, and Paul and I, in a, in a move of parenting brilliance, gave them bunk beds. Um, And, you know, that's just, you know, that's DSS worthy, but there it is. Uh, we gave him bunk beds, and then shockingly, he he uh, there was there was an accident, um, and I got a call uh, from Paula. I was at the I was at the church, and and, and if y'all know Paula, awesome. I mean, just lovely and and winsome and engaging and and just wound. Um, I mean, she's Paula has enough energy to drive a city. Um, and so, and so she's typically very energetic, but she was especially energetic when she called me on this particular day. You've got to get home right away. Jack had decided he was going to be Superman. He had launched himself off the top bunk, um, hardwood floors. You get the picture. Um, had, you know, had busted his head open. And as y'all remember, just from yourself or others, you know, anything, anything uh, on the head bleeds like crazy, uh, whether it's, whether it's, little um, or whether it's uh, whether it's big and okay he was this little toe head and just you know covered in blood so we we put him in the car we race over to the doctor's office and we get there in the doctor's office and you know Paul and I are just we're a total we're a total mess uh, at this point and and the doctor comes in and says you know we're going to get this taken care of. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put them in the papoose um, so we can go ahead and get all this taken care of. And that just sounded so soothing until we realized that the papoose is a straitjacket. You know, it just sounded, it's like, talk, talk about marketing. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're going to put them in the papoose and it's going to be great. And, you know, we just think, wonderful. But it turns out, yeah, the papoose is a straitjacket. So, we, you know, here's my little guy. We're putting him in this straitjacket and, and I'm holding him. And, uh, and as I'm holding him, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you're doing great, pal. You're being really brave. And, and really, uh, amazingly, he was. I don't know if it was shock or what, but he was, uh, he was remarkably calm through all of this. So we get him in the papoose. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, really, the, as you know, the issue is not the stitches, right? What's the issue? The shots. Um, so, yeah, we had about six shots there uh, before we could, begin to, we could begin to stitch up his head. And one of the things that I remember from that experience, as you might imagine, is, um, you know, this is my little guy. Oh, loved him. And in the same way, had it been Maisie, Sally, my, my heart uh, went out to Jack. I mean, it just absolutely broke my heart to see him in that particular situation. And uh, if, if I could have, uh, one of the things that struck me at that moment, obviously what I wanted to do, and, and y'all would have been the exact same way, I wished I could take his place. Um, I just thought, you know, if... If I could, if I could switch places with you, uh, I would do it. I would do it in an instant. But of course, um, 
that's, that wasn't a possibility um, for me to take his place. And, and, I, and I share that with you, and you probably see where I'm going with all of this, but why we can live by faith rather than by fear, because ultimately at the heart of the gospel message is God has come forth to take our place. Uh, that in Jesus, uh, that's, that's the love of God that he has for you and for me. As, as you and I see people in our lives, whether it be our children, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our friends, whether it be our parents, but people that we love and we wish, um, we just wish we could take their place when they're suffering, uh, when they're dealing with those types of experiences. We wish we could just extricate them from that situation. What we see in the revelation of God in Jesus is that not only does Jesus come and take the place of his friends, but he comes and takes the place of his enemies. Um, so it's not just those who love him, who've been nice to him, such as his, is his love and his grace for you and for me, that he comes and takes our place. And through the cross and through the resurrection, um, we have um, the assurance that all of the judgment that should have fallen upon you and me, all of the condemnation should have fallen upon you and me, he's taken upon himself. And that you and I might be known and loved as his sons and daughters. Um, and so that's why we can live by faith and not by fear. We have a God who knows us and who loves us, who uh, comes to us in his love and his grace, who's actually promised to be with us and to be, to, to be our advocate, the one who's actually taken um, our place, uh, that we might be his sons and daughters, that we might be heirs of all of his promises. Um, and so that's why can we live by faith? Because of who God is uh, and because of who God is in relationship um, with you and with me. The thing I forgot, I'll say finally, um, as well, one of the things that it talks about as well uh, is our being pruned and to know that as these challenges come our way, the remembrance for you and for me that ultimately we're being prepared for eternity, uh, that this life is not all that there is. And so the things that happen are, are ways in which God and his love and his grace and his knowledge beyond ours sort of shapes and fashions <laughs> us and prepares us that we might permanently, once and for all, be his children, his sons and his daughters and heirs of all of the promises of his kingdom. Uh, and so let me, um, uh, let, me, let me stop there. Any, any comments or questions you all have? You know, when you have fright of uh, fear, mm-hmm. there's a reaction. I can't remember which, where it came from, what's the characters. But it says, you know, you either fight or flee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also there's an output of a lot of of things to stimulate the body at that time, like adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And the adrenaline does interfere with the clear thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. You lose your cool. Right, yes. But, but anyway, it seems like our belief and our teachings from Jesus helps us get through these fearful moments. Mm-hmm. Become sort of a tranquilizer. Absolutely. No, I appreciate your, your sharing that because, yeah, I mean, we do get, in, we do get that fight or flight um, response uh, in our lives and the adrenaline, the way that that, uh, the way that, that pumps into us. There's, uh, I mentioned very, very uh, briefly, there's, um, and the reason I share these things, Martin Luther, uh, there's a story told about Martin Luther. His parishioners come to him one Sunday morning and basically say, when are you going to preach something different? Um, it's the same thing. It's the same thing every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, uh, the, the, the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. And they basically said, look, we're, we're, ready, for, we're ready for the next thing. Uh, and what he said to them is, he said, well, I'll preach something different when you show up looking like a people who believe it. Um, <laughs> when you look like a people who believe um, the good news, then, then I'll begin to preach something different.
Well, this is uh, this actually gives us time to uh, to get our vestments on, um, get a cup of coffee, um, greet our neighbors, uh, and all the above. Uh, I'm glad uh, that you're able to go forth with uh, that. All your fears are laid. Um, you're welcome. Um, I'm glad you're able to go forth. Um, but again, just. What, what we have to, to buoy us, what we have to remember is, is the character and the work of God uh, in our lives. The fact that he's our rock and our stronghold. The fact that he's our advocate. The fact that he's um, our good shepherd. The fact that he's ultimately shaping and fashioning us. Uh, and we can, we can trust ourselves to him. And not only ourselves, but also those we love uh, as well. And, and, and there's the opportunity for you and for me. And the necessity, quite frankly, that, that we continually gather together as a community of faith. Uh, and in prayer, uh, and in the study of Scripture, and, and the confession not only of our sins, but our, but, our, but our fears and our idols and our doubts and all those things, there's the opportunity as we gather repeatedly as the community of faith that we, that we might be strengthened um, and that we might be reminded again and again of the reason for the hope that we have. Uh, and hope is based not on us, but it's based on the character of God made known to us in Jesus. Um, so let, as we go forth, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, in your love and your grace you make known to us that, that you're a good shepherd who knows us and who leads and calls us by name. You've made known to us that you have laid down your life that we might have life, that you are our defender. Lord, when we are uh, fearful and anxious, we pray that you would draw us to look upon you uh, as you're the source of our strength. We're when we are in error and, and, and chasing after things which will not give us peace, we pray that you would uh, prune us and amend us and that in all things uh, you would fill us and shape and fashion us because in you is our life. And this we ask and this we pray now in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.